This week's episode of Aussie Tech Ed is brought to you by Start New Company. Register your company immediately today with ASIC. ABN, TFN, GST registration is also available directly from the portal. Also set up your family trust and self-managed superannuation fund and more. All at startnewcompany.com.au. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash startnewco and keep an eye out for our regular specials. Start your new company now within 10 minutes of lodgement. All legal company documentation provided after registration. startnewcompany.com.au. Also brought to you by athwebhosting.com.au. All our servers are operating on SSD drives, immediate activation, SSL certificates, Aussie support, domain registration and more. Easy install WordPress, Joomla, Drupal and 300 other one-click installations. Generous space and bandwidth, auto backups, WordPress help and maintenance plans are also available on contact. If your webpage is important for your business or your life, contact us today. Aussie support, secure services, athwebhosting.com.au. And now for the show. Welcome to episode 680 of the Aussie Tech Heads, recorded on the 4th of June, 2020. I'm your host, Jason Oakley, and this is my co-host, Will Tomkinson. Hey, Will. Good evening. What are you doing over there? Um, same as usual. You're at the same comedy club I am. Are you doing stand-up? <laughs> Tell uh, us a joke. Yep, that's how much stand-up routines usually go Aussie to. Tech Heads. <laughs> you want to hear a joke? Well, I'm here, aren't I? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> How's stuff been for you, all right? Um, yeah, it's been a bit fresh this week. Ah. We've been having, we had our first frost of the year a couple of days ago, so. Yep, David Frost. <laughs> um, it's been cold, like we've been getting down, well, it hasn't been that cold, it's only been getting down to four or five degrees, but the massive wind chill coming off from down south, it's, it's put it into the minuses at some point. Like it's, Oh, it's you're going to blame me, that'd be right. <laughs> you lot down south, That's you're it. so cold-hearted. Yeah, I've had the heater on and I even took a little one out into the office today to sit down next to me and blow some hot air up me. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you know, it is lonely. Never complete your gate. <laughs> we've all been stuck inside for a while. <laughs> I think I'll be popping down to Telstar tomorrow and see if I can get a S20 Plus. Probably would be my guess for the next phone. You're not going to go the night? I know it'll be out in a while, and from everything I've been reading, it's going to be basically exactly the same as this, a bit squarer plus a pen, and that's about the only difference because mm. they've changed a lot of the stuff, so it's basically yeah. just an S20 now. Yes, yeah. The, the, it's surprising how handy the pen actually is. I do find myself using it quite a lot. Um, that's one thing I didn't think I would actually use, and it's something the, fir the first night I had, I really didn't, but with the advent of the more powerful systems and stuff, yeah, I actually use the pen quite a lot. Ah, oh, so, use it surprising. for uh, everything from everything for video editing, photo editing, um, shortcut like handwriting documents quickly, scribbling stuff down, 
um, yeah. cropping out. Like if you want to, instead of screenshotting a whole page, you can just crop a section out of the page that you want to grab. Um, cool. Yeah, there's all sorts of stuff. You can do a split screen so you can have, say you can be transcribing, so you can be playing a video on the top screen. You can have your notepad open down the bottom. You can transcribe. There's all sorts. It's, it's actually it's used a lot, like p- signing PDF documents. Yeah. So like the boss sends you a timesheet or a, something and you got to sign it. You can sign it on the phone and send it back. You haven't got to muck around. That's you know, handy. So, yeah, it, it's actually, I find myself using it far more than I thought I would. Um, and there's other apps to do different things. Like you can use it um, for, as a pen or a stylus or you can use it as in um, a, lot, a lot of the games. There's actually games out for it. You can use it. Um, yep. There's, yeah, it's just a lot of different it's quite versatile because it's got a button on it and stuff as well so you can it's got pressure sensitive tip plus a button so you can do all sorts of all sorts of special stuff with it. it's pretty neat are you waiting so, out for the next note or are you sticking with yours for now stick with mine for now and then i'll probably end up getting something chinese most likely because let's face it it's a third the price and then they've oh, proven hey. themselves to be a fantastic phone so and sometimes even better than the ones other ones in the yeah. stores <laughs> um well and the thing is for the price like i don't want to go I, I got the note because it was a robust phone um and it was just the last model i could get before the stupid wraparound screen thing happened yeah um, they're getting rid of that don't they yeah <laughs> finally so i don't know I'll, we'll see what happens i mean these are how old are these now these are nearly four year old now yep um because this is the five um, I'll probably be thinking of getting my daughter a Huawei or something. We'll have to pop down and see what we can get outright. I mean, for three hundred, you know, well, for you know, you can get a really impressive phone for one hundred and forty bucks. You yep. can get an amazing phone for three hundred. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like that's where I'm looking about three hundred yeah. or something. I think it's a Huawei three E something. You can get the the multi. They got multi camera. They got like they do four K default filming. They got you know like. It's just ridiculous what they do now. Yeah. And they're going to have Android 10. I've been making sure that they would, except for the Samsung A8, I think they said wasn't going to get it or something. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. So, but But I had a look. A few of the Samsung ones that are like mid range, everyone's like, these are terrible. Don't buy one. Yeah. The A range, I think it was like A31 or something. And they're like, the apps crash, you launch the camera, the camera crashes, you launch the camera and get it to go, and then you find a photo you want to take and you click go and the camera app crashes. There really is a big discrepancy between a top-end phone and a mid-level phone. The, their candy bar phones are still decent because I mean, they're pretty hard to screw up, but you know their, their top-end phones are, are great, but their mid-range aren't. It's not like their mid-range are old top-end phones. Their mid-range are like old mid-range phones. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> It's so weird. Um, I mean, me, I'd probably be getting the the Xiaomi, like the Redmi Note Eight Pro or something like that. Probably something I'd be Hogan or something. Uh, no, you can buy, uh, buy mobile. dot com. dot au is actually a licensed seller of them. Oh right. Um, you can get you know, there you go, seven hundred bucks for the Mi Nine, sixty gram, hundred twenty eight gig, four gig LTE. You know, or the Note, which I is want that the, one with the Infinity display that wraps around the back and. <laughs> yeah, I mean. It's probably just going to be concept forever. Just, just more things to break, really. Yeah. But, I mean, if you look at, like, you know, as I was saying, there's, there's a $200 phone. Yeah. You know, and, and you look at that, and that's a... What's the specs on that? 
So it's still a it's dual, dual sim. Um, what do we got here? Yeah, dual sim, splash resistant, uh, LCD screen, six point two inch screen, um, Qualcomm Snapdragon four thirty nine processor, Android nine, octa core, four by one ninety five gig processor, and a A fifty three four by one forty five processor. Uh, some micro SD up to five twelve gig. It's thirty two three gig of RAM, twelve megapixel f- um, main camera. That's uh, pretty good. Dual phone sensor, LED flash, default 1080p at 30 frames. The front camera is an 8 meg with HDR. You know, and that that's a $200 ca- phone. Like it's, yeah. you know. You'd be paying a lot more for that from Samsung. You don't, you don't realistically don't need much more than that unless you're doing something specific. That's going to cover 95% of everything you'll ever want to do. I wanted the folds to work. <laughs> yeah, but I think they're going to be very bulky and still liable to go crack at some stage. So I'm not oh, keen. Absolutely. And a lot of reviews are saying the Flip is actually a pretty decent phone, but I don't want one that flips down that way. I want it to open bookway, so it's like a iPad style opened up. But uh, then it's going to be about this thick in your pocket. Yeah, that, that's that's <laughs> exactly the thing. Like they've got, they reckon they've got the paper. It's, it's not the displays now that's holding it up. It's the rest of the technology. Well, they can do paper-thin LCD display now. Yep. But you've still got to have backlit because it's not like, you know, it's not the, you know, you still, you, having a display is one thing. You've still got to have a lit display. Yep. So you've still got to have some sort of lighting. And then you've got to have a backplate on it so that the people on the other side of you can't see what you're looking at. <laughs> then yeah. you've got to have your battery. Then you've got to have, your, like, so the screen itself is actually not really the issue anymore. They're it's like the, just getting two two normal phones and joining them together. It's still going to be the thickness of two yeah, phones. Yeah, it's the limitation of the hardware now is, is the issue, you know. Yeah, um, maybe in a few years they'll get it. So, oh, I mean, the easy way around that would be to physically wear the hardware on your person, whether it's a watch or a wallet-style thing or whatever, and have a, a wireless link to basically just this device here. Yep. But if you're going that far, then you might as well go for the whole... You know the whole glass Google glasses thing because Apple that's a... Apple's got their glasses coming out soon with AR and stuff built into it. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Didn't that Google I'm... Glass fall down and disappear. Only because I, I think they were too early with it. Yeah, it was. It needed to just wait another two years, and then the, the, it wouldn't surprise me if they relaunch it. I was reading people doing, even talking about it now, and they're like, well, if you look out this side of your eye over that way, you can see some notifications, and that's about all the good that it was. But that's what I mean. I think it was too early. Things, you know, yeah. it it's, has the potential to be so much more. Um, you know, it's just... Yeah. Maybe once Apple have flooded the market with theirs, everyone's going to go, hey, we'll bring out some now and do the same sort of thing. So here's another phone. I was just quickly found the the Xiaomi Redmi 8A. Um, it's a 32 gig. It's literally 195 dollars. Same thing, dual SIM card, same processor, same everything. It's got um, Gorilla Glass display, um, 6.2 inch display, Gorilla Glass, Qualcomm Snapdragon. It's got the 12 meg camera, 1080p. You know, like and it, it's 200 bucks. Yeah, and it's it's. <laughs> And one thing I've I've heard a lot about them apparently they're um 
apparently the fingerprint scanners are incredibly reliable. Are these pictures squashed or something? Because yeah. they look like they're the width of an iPad. The ones you're seeing are slightly. That's to make the web pages fit better. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely one of those things. You know, and I just hate, like I used to be all for oh, it's a three thousand dollar phone. It must be the best thing you can buy. But no, nope. yeah, not not so much anymore. You know, um, like the um the caterpillar. The cat rugged phone. The S... What's the new one? S61 or something like that? Yeah. I mean, okay, it's $1,300, but it's $1,300 for a reason. Yeah. You know, it's... It's a... Um, waterproof, shockproof, dustproof. But even more than that, it's got built-in um, infrared camera. You know, laser distancing, air quality monitors. You know, it's, it's a mil- military-spec phone. You know, yeah, dual P sixty eight, dual sim. You know, so it's thirteen hundred bucks. But the thing is, it's it's a bulletproof phone. Yeah, IP sixty. Yeah. Oh, it's beyond IP sixty eight. Ah. Um, it handles thermal shock, low to high temperature differences. Uh, indoor. You could, be, you could be swimming underwater and phone somebody and talk to them. Yeah, three meters for sixty minutes. <laughs> Deep resistance to one one point drop resistant one point eight meters on the concrete. Yeah. Um. So yeah. they based it on a Nokia, obviously. Yeah, indoor air quality monitor, uh, laser laser assisted distance finder, integrated thermal camera. You know, so wow. Yeah, you know the the thing is like a thermal camera that Bluetooths to your a good quality thermal camera that Bluetooths to your normal phone is like a thousand bucks anyway. Yeah, you can get cheaper ones, but they don't they don't really work too well. But um, you know, so there are some situations where yes, absolutely the you know, the, the $1,500 or whatever is justified, but so many occurrences where you're literally just paying for the name on the back of the phone and that, that's it. You're not paying for anything else. Yeah. Apple. <coughs> <coughs> iPhone. <laughs> Should we try a story about a phone then? Yeah, all right. <laughs> South Korean menu phone manufacturer LG has released a security update last month to fix a vulnerability that impacts its Android smartphone sold over the past seven years. <laughs> the vulnerability tracked under the identifier of CVE 2020-12-753 impacts the bootloader component that ships with the LG smartphones. Separate from the Android OS, the bootloader is a piece of firmware specific to each smartphone vendor. It's the first piece of code that runs when a user starts the device and ensures that smartphone firmware and the Android OS itself start in correct and secure manner. In March this year, US software engineer Max Thomas discovered a vulnerability in the bootloader component that had been added to LG smartphones starting with LG Nexus 5 series. In the technical breakdown of the vulnerability published on Tuesday, Thomas says the bootloader component's graphics package contains a bug that lets attackers sneak in their own code to run alongside the bootloader's graphics under certain conditions, such as when the battery dies out and when the device is in the bootloader's download mode. Thomas says the real threat actors who perfectly time an attack can gain the ability to run their own custom code, which could then allow them to take over the bootloader and inherently the entire device. The bug impacts all LG smartphones utilizing QSEE, Qualcomm Secure Execution Environment chips, to use AL1 or EL3 runtime firmware, and all LG devices running Android 7.2 and later. Now, they do stress that you, uh, I think you have to actually have 
the device in your hand to be able to do it. It's not something that uh, you can just do over the internet. Yeah, but still, you nick someone's phone and then some, you thing. might find it left in a bar like certain old iPhones used to be. <laughs> Get rid of those. Yeah, it's a, it's a physical access attack, but um, let's face it, at the end of the day, if you physically got access to a phone, there's multiple ways in, so I don't really see this as... I it's mean, not a big thing. It's it's used. That's how you root the phones in the first place. And you put, you know, Clockwork Orange, Clockwork Model, whatever you want to put on there. Yeah. Clockwork Orange was a movie. I think that's different. Um, What's it going to say? <laughs> Clockwork Mod um, or whatever they're using now. And that's all done through the bootloader. Bootloaders are inherently left vulnerable to for that reason, updating and whatever. But if you've got physical access to a phone, it doesn't matter what the phone is, most likely you can get data off it. Yeah. Even if they say their iPhone is impenetrable. Yeah. Somebody can do it somewhere. Oh, absolutely. And most likely before um, the company that released it has. Yeah. Did you ever watch um, Underground 6, the movie? Or Six Underground? Six Underground. Uh, Vaguely. Sounds familiar. It's got... um, What's his name who played Deadpool? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Um, he's the lead guy in there and... They need access into a phone, so they get this guy's eyeball and they rip it out of his head after killing him and then drive off with his phone and then holding on to the eyeball by the the bits coming out of it and hovering, hovering it above the phone to try and unlock it while the car's being chased by police <laughs> all over Italy. <laughs> Who does that in... They do that in uh, Minority Report. Do they? <laughs> yeah. Needs to get into a secured area and then can't get in, so he uses a set of eyes to get into a secured area. <laughs> so... But um, maybe don't use your eyes to unlock your phone just yeah. in case. Yeah, no. That's... If somebody cuts off your thumb, you can probably survive without it. But if they're ripping eyeballs out of your head, it might not be so good. Yeah, you're gonna have a bad day at that point. <laughs> yes. No, I, I haven't actually seen. I've seen the trailer for that movie. That's why it sounded familiar. I watched I it twice. Watched I saw it, it a few weeks ago, and then Ryan Reynolds was over last weekend. So I said, check this out. What was that? Ryan Reynolds. Yes, how come we couldn't think as of his name? As opposed to Burt Reynolds, <laughs> which <laughs> is all I could think right? of. I'm like, it's that's, it's not Burt Reynolds, I'm sure of it. <laughs> he was on uh, Archer. Archer's mum dated Burt Reynolds for a while. Oh, fair enough. It's pretty funny. They had him as a guest star. He hated Burt Reynolds for a while after liking him, and then his mum started dating Burt, and he's like, hang on, that's not right. I can't deal with that. My favourite idol is doing my... No. <laughs> Get out of my head. Uh, well, that's, I don't know if you've seen the new the new seasons of MacGyver, but Not yet. Um, they're really good because they want the the chicken that she's a black hat, and um, the the most of the stuff they do is is I say most, yeah, most of the stuff they do is fairly well achievable to some degree. Yeah. It's not super uh, super far fetched, unrealistic, mostly. Except yep, for a couple yep. of bits, a bit, yeah, maybe, but uh, <laughs> they they do pretty good. It's like the original recipe for the original MacGyver. They, I don't know, say they're going to make a bomb. They'll give you 90% of the chemicals required, but they won't completely give you the full list, you know, like. Yeah, so it's you, like uh, Fight Club where they said they had to use concentrated orange juice to make napalm because they had the actual recipe in there and the director's like, you can't say that in a movie. <laughs> no, that's right. Oh, okay, so... uh, concentrated orange juice. Does that sound explosive? Yeah, sure, okay. Well, I suppose it was called Agent Orange for a reason, I suppose. <laughs> Maybe they think that's why they call it Agent Orange. Polystyrene and diesel. 
Yeah. But um, <laughs> the age of the internet, people, hello. <laughs> How do you make info? You remember that Watch guy's an episode of Mythbusters, I'll tell you. Hey? Yeah. You remember that guy's manifesto from years ago, how to blow up stuff and things and went out on the internet and everyone lost their mind. Oh, you can't tell people yeah. how to make... Pipe <sighs> bombs and whatever. You Don't watch... say that word. You're going to get us wiped off YouTube again. What, Mythbusters? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just watch, yeah, watch Mythbusters if you want to learn all that stuff they do it on there. <laughs> so, um, speaking of phones, oh, because... Well, that's the next story. It's on my screen, so we're doing it. Um, <laughs> the latest iPhone and iPad update is a toxic hell stew of bugs. <laughs> you know, not... are you going to upset Eric now? <laughs> iPhone and iPad users are claiming that iOS 13.5 and iPad iPad OS because you couldn't call it the same thing. 13.5 are riddled with bugs causing severe battery drain and reboots. That doesn't sound anything like something Apple would do intentionally. Have you updated to ISO 5? You might want to hold off because Apple's back to releasing buggy updates. Um, The 13 releases have been a bit up and down. The 13.2 was particularly ugly. Things settled down, but the 13.5 may be their worst update ever. Um, The first issue appeared to be a battery drain problem. It's not uncommon and happens. um, But social media is a watch of people complaining of poor battery life, not just dips. Even uh, iPhone 11 Pro Max users are complaining, which is quite rare because this device is a pretty big battery. There's also reports of users complaining about overheating. Um, The writer of this article has come across both problems and no amount of tweaking fixes it. Um, You're going to have to wait for an update. Uh, I've noticed since installing 13.5 iPad Pro reboot shortly after logging in. Uh, Some are reporting that they're stuck in a boot loop while others claim the problem goes back to 13.41. There's also sporadic reports, iPhones running 13.5 rebooting or being stuck in reboot loops. Another 13.5 seems to be date back to the 4.1 that the MP4 playback is broken with both native and third-party apps affected. That's a good trick. Physically break the software to encoding. That's that's well done, that one. <laughs> a message common to the problem. There's a problem loading this content. If you've upgraded to 13.5, might be a good time to hold back. So apparently, um, yeah, and the, the drain they're talking about isn't just small drains. Like, there's been little ticks and stuff being affected, but like, they're talking like major draining, like flattening batteries in in half a day sort of drain. So, Jeez. so yeah. So um, I think that, I think you know they've made it quite clear in this article. Don't buy an iPhone. I'm pretty sure that's what they're saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe that's not what they'll. This week's episode of. Oops, that's right. Maybe not. Maybe that's what they they weren't actually saying that directly, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that's what they were implying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know Android's had a couple of buggy releases, but <laughs> they've never been that bad. Especially when you keep touting yourself as the best things in sliced bread, and then people find out. And you're paying you're not twice really. twice as much money for for the privilege. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The NBN Co. has shifted around 42,000 premises designated to receive fixed wireless into its fixed line and satellite footprints instead after being unable to secure land or support to build new towers. The change was partially revealed in NBN Co.'s weekly numbers where the total satellite footprint has gone for 410,000 premises at the end of March to 430,163 premises at the end of May. Most of the premises were added to Sky Muster footprint over a fortnight and we can now reveal they'd previously been designated to be served by fixed wireless. 
An Airbnb co-spokesperson said that the network builder has actually changed access technology choice for 42,000 premises. These changes are mainly the result of some areas that originally designated as fixed wireless sites, where NBN Co. was unable to secure a suitable site for a variety of reasons, including planning approvals, landholder agreement, or community objections. The changes will mean that around 22,000 premises that were planned to be served by fixed wireless or satellite technologies will instead be served by fixed line technology, and around 20,000 premises that were planned to be served by fixed wireless will instead be served by satellite. MBN Co. said it had communicated the changes to internet service providers and had updated its maps to reflect the changes. It's unclear which suburbs are impacted by the shift. However, the issue of designated wireless areas being flipped to satellite did receive some attention back in February when at least 450 properties on the outskirts of the Mylor Township, 20 kilometres from the Adelaide CBD, were shifted to Sky Muster when tower negotiations between NBN Co. and private landowner fell through. I'm sorry, I wasn't really listening. All I heard was NBN is crap. I, I didn't really pay much attention. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be for them stuck on the satellite now. Uh, I mean, the have to admit the speeds on if they're actually on SkyMaster and not the older satellite. Um, SkyMaster is not too bad. Right, um, it's fairly decent as far as as far as connection speed. Ping is uh, always going to be an issue on satellite because you've got such latency. But if you're not playing hardcore games like things where that's really ping dependent or like Raider Ra- Overwatch yeah or like racing games where uh, you know close racing um, stuff like that you're not really going to notice it but as long as yeah look realistically if, if some of the NBN speeds I've seen I'd prefer to be on Skymaster at some times I tell you because ah. some they're still putting people onto the older satellites which is the problem they're yep. way overloaded I mean Skymaster's overloaded too but it's still performing fairly well so um, sorry, you're right. You were going to say something? Done. Okay, cool, fine. Fine? No, that's it. You've had your chance. Fine! Uh, <laughs> um, so about halfway through the show, so I figure I should probably mention our kind Patreon supporters. Uh, pa- up there. Patreon.com slash Aussie Techheads. That was good timing. Um, the I'd like to thank greatly Chris and David. Um, you guys rock. Um, thank you for supporting us and thank you for helping us out and Thank you for uh, potentially securing the future of the show. All the yep. donations and everything that are given will be going to back into the show to provide hardware updates, software support, software su- upgrades. Um, the now streaming you have to put up with us every week. Streaming services, um, hosting, that sort of stuff. It'll, it'll all get invested back into the show. Um, obviously, the, there's a few of us that do this because uh, we've got... Um, I was in Maxdown as well, plus we've got you know, a couple other things happening here and there. So, it, uh, it, and none of us, it's not a full-time job for any of us. It's all our, you know, we all do it for the love. So, we're not, not begging you for money, but we're certainly not going to complain if you would like to um, help us out. That would certainly be greatly appreciated. And um, there are different tiers with different benefits. Some, uh, everybody gets their name read out on the show when you do join up, so... If the list gets longer, then we'll uh, worry about that then, and that'll be a good problem to have. Yeah. Um, I also need to thank uh, Mick. Shot us an email during the week. Um, basically says, hi, Jason Will. I've been listening to your show ever since I discovered it about 10 months ago. So, you know, <laughs> he hasn't. the novelty hasn't worn off yet. Give it time. <laughs> <laughs> I like your layback style. Uh, just two mates having a chat. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> 10 months ago, he wouldn't have met Glenn yet, would he? <laughs> No. <laughs> Glenn's been Glenn out of who? What are you talking yeah, about? 
Oh, Glenn was supposed to be on tonight too, but he couldn't find his microphone. Manicha, Kim Manicha. His microphone disappeared. Um, (laughs) But yeah. Um, He says, even though I've never used any of the games or consoles that you sometimes talk about, he still likes listening. For what it's worth, he started with, uh, his start with computers was back in the days of the Australian Microbee. Uh, Yay, we had them at school. That was my first first use of a computer. The Microbees were cool. And then he moved on to CPM and Z80s. Uh, assembler programming when it became available with 5.25 floppies. He has a giant floppy. Ah. Um, he had a brief And we did that interview with the Microbeam dude down in Melbourne on our other show. Oh, uh, yeah. That's on the. That's still. I'm pretty sure that's up on YouTube. Yeah. Um, you can check that out. Um, just type search. I think it's a search for Aussie Tech Heads. Microbeam should bring it up, I think. Old Fart or Geeks. Old Fart, yeah, well, that'll work as well. They're both, both tagged. Um, old fuck geeks, microbee, yeah. I uh, had a brief fling with an Apple IIe. Um, that's how an iPhone's born, I'm sure of it. Um, <laughs> and the Aussie clone was called the Wombat. And I do vaguely remember that because I'm positive we had one at school, but every time I tell somebody about it, they don't believe me. I knew there was a search engine called Wombat too. Yes, there was. There still is. Still is. Yeah. Uh, and it's seduced because of my work by Windows running... Um, what's it running? Bay and Vines. B-A, ben, Benyon Vines, B-A-N-Y-N. Sounds vaguely familiar, I don't know why. Yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. I'm like, I know that name. <laughs> um, so thanks for your weekly show. So, And then he goes, his oh, PS at the bottom, uh, who knows, once the uh, zombie virus... What's he say? Once the zombie virus thing dies down <laughs> and it's safe to travel, we might might catch up. So yeah, so that's, that's a bit of a thing. But that's the other thing too, if the Patreon... Um, picks up to the point where we can organise a, a get-together somewhere. We might have one at, I don't know, we might, or might head down to Melbourne and go to Crown Casino and catch up with some fans or something. We'll, we'll go to uh, Glenn's and drink some Forex. The first half of that sounds okay. <laughs> <laughs> Banyan Vines was a network operating system developed by Banyan Systems for computers running AT&T's Unix System V. Vines was an acronym for Virtual Integrated Network Service. Like Novell Netware, Vines Network Services were based on the archetypal Xerox XNS stack. Okay, so it was probably the competition to the Netgear, the Net... Oh, I can't Novell Netware. Novell Netware, that's the one, yeah. Yeah. That was like the competition to that. Novell won out for a while. Novell was... The TCPIP. Biggest problem with Novell was it was one disk, one user. Yeah. <laughs> Like every disk was forced an IP on you, and that was it. You, if you needed another computer, you had to, have to go and buy another copy of it. Uh, I think that was what ended up ultimately ended up doing them in. You think you could figure these things out? So, but uh, that was back when the they had the most wicked copy protection on those disks. Yeah, there was a few years before we figured out what they did, and it turns out Microsoft did the same thing when they launched uh, Windows ninety five. They mm. used standard 1.44 floppy disks and formatted them to two meg, ah. and then installed a bootloader on the start of the on the first sector of the disk so that it knew what to do with it. But you couldn't copy but it. You couldn't copy it. Ah. Eventually, Sneaky we could. Yeah, it, it, it became especially once the zip drives. The um, was it the zip drives come out with the floppy compatible backwards compatible floppy disk, oh, or right, was it yeah. the other one? But it, it might have been the Jazz. But one of those two came out with it. Once they come out and recognize the two meg drive, then you could do no it. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> so. uh, sneaky. 
Um, do you want me to do a story next, or you got one? Either other. We can go either way. We can swing it either way. Well, Aussie Broadband has signed up almost 2,300 customers to NBN Co's new gigabit plan since they launched at the end of last week, providing the first indication of demand for the services. NBN Co launched new pricing for its up to 1,000 slash 50 megabits a second residential service on Friday last week. Services can be used across the fibre to premises footprint and at least initially on up to 7% of the hybrid fibre coaxial network. Stryker is thinking of maybe going to the gigabit plan now instead of the one he was going with because he still can't. They reckon by the end of this week they might have his NBN connected. But at this stage, he's like, even if it is, I still won't be able to get the one gigabit. <laughs> Aussie Broadband is offering up to 1,000 slash 50 plans for 149 a month. It said that over 2,289 new and existing customers have taken up or upgraded to the new tier. Now, this is from a few days ago, so no doubt they've had more. Uh, and at an aggregate level, it provides some indication of the demand that exists for higher download speeds on the NBN. It also provides an indication of how far NBN Co's gigabit services in operation will climb now that new pricing is in market. At the end of March this year, NBN Co had only signed had only 129 gigabit SIOs in total with most of those business users. Now, within a handful of days, it's nearing 2,500. Aussie Broadband's manager, Director Phil Britt, said the demand for new up to gigabit product was much higher than expected. When the product was launched on Friday, Aussie experienced its biggest ever day of organic sales. We also smashed our previous Saturday, Sunday, and Monday sales records by between 8 to 10%. Britt also said Aussie Broadband has seen 850 customers sign on to new 250-25 tier product, which they also launched last Friday. He did not dream that demand for gigabit and new lower cost, cost 250 plans would be so high, he said. This is after the I government know, right? said, <laughs> 20, nobody will want 25 <laughs> down, that's too much, we can't guarantee that, maybe 12-1. Most people want to have one, obviously. Who's going to need faster <laughs> than that? Uh, don't want to think about what technologies might come out in the next five to ten years. We'll just put everyone on a shitty slow one and hope for the best. I loved in one of their uh, chief operations officer, Michael Blake, said social posts, early users were reporting speeds during peak times on or above average 800 meg with one of the fastest that they could find was 944 meg. Yeah. And they, they've had an article was out today for some people who can't achieve those speeds that you have to remember a lot of the super cheap, crappy uh, modems that mm -hmm. you might have got from other ISPs and you bring over to these high-speed tier ones can't do nope. gigabit. They're just not physically capable because nobody's going to give away uh, enterprise-grade Modem, router yeah. or modem i've got the netgear orbi which should be fine they're a mesh network which is really good yeah um and the asus latest ones can do it but you don't want to you're not going to get it from a 90 dollar router and also no. you need to be make sure that you're connecting to your um ntd with category 5e or 6 network mm. cable Preferably six. Anything else won't be able to do it either. So if you're having trouble, you got your gigabits network, but you can't get the speeds. Check your cable. It's probably a crappy old um, Cat Five cable. If it's just can't do if it's speed. cheap, it's going to be Cat Five. Um, yeah, Five E. Yeah, maybe if it's only a couple of year old, but yeah, six is quite six expensive still. So, but it's shielded. So it's 
gets the best. Uh, on short runs, you'll get away with a 5e. Um, but if it's a longer run or if it's near running past power leads and past interference, then, yeah, you're going to want to go the 6. Um, yeah. I'm only running standard Cat 5 because I, I've only got a Telstra whatever. It can't do more than 100 meg. Well, I'm not that my internet's 100 meg anyway, but yeah, my normal, my normal network internally can do gigabit. Um, yep. but I don't reach those speeds because I'm only running Cat Five. Like I've got a, I've got a gigabit. All my network cards are gigabit, gigabit uh, NAS, gigabit router, uh, switch, all that. But I can't actually reach those speeds because I'm I've only got Cat Five and a couple of Cat Five E cables. Um, yep. And don't forget but, also the latest Wi-Fi technologies might get you up to 400 even. So yeah, and depending on once again interference and how far away you are. So. Yep. But you know, uh, uh, for me, uh, the I think I'm on. I normally get, I don't know what I get. I can't remember, forty something down, forty five down. And realistically, like ninety five percent of the time, that's perfectly fine. You do obviously have times where you would you want more speed. Um, yeah. But when we're streaming, we've usually only got like the computer in here and and the TV, and it's only well I've. <laughs> The media center, I've got one of those Android, $50 Android media centers. It's actually really good. Um, but I've actually set it to 720 instead of 1080 because I find that the streaming side of it works a lot better. If you're watching like 10 play and stuff like that, um, they the actual site struggle to deliver the speed required to stream at, at 1080. So yeah, I've set, it's not your fault. Yeah. So I've set the device to 720 and I have much less streaming issues with... with the actual slower websites. And the image looks fine. Oh, you don't notice the difference, realistically, because, okay, on fast-moving, like, car chase scenes, there's a little bit of stuttering, but um, it's better that than the thing loading every 10 seconds buffering because the website can't keep up. 10Play yep. would have to have one of the slowest websites in the on the internet to load the, to load the banner to load the video takes a minute. And then the video can take up to five minutes to load to the point where you can actually start watching it. And then you pause it and you let the first five or eight minutes of the video buffer and then you play and usually by halfway through it's caught up to itself. So when, what you want to do is you plan to watch watch a movie after dinner. Yeah. So you start it up, get it buffering, go off, have your dinner, and by the time you come back, you can watch a movie. Yeah, but the problem is the case refreshes every half an hour. So if you leave it more than <laughs> half an hour, you lose your buffer. <laughs> It's a fantastic idea, <laughs> oh, it, It's brilliant. It's it's great because that's what we were doing. We were setting of a morning before we left. We'd set the media center onto the web page and the show ready to load, and yeah. we come back from work and it still hasn't loaded. And what's, it turns out it had, but then it was refreshing because they they <laughs> they'd flush the cache or whatever they're doing every half hour. Uh, so you, you now you've got this other problem is you can't preload it for too long because once it hits the half an hour, it clears out whatever you've loaded anyway. Tell me again, why do people go for these torrent things? Yeah, I know, right? Uh, speaking of which... We'll you give a... you a very terrible streaming service. Why are you using illegal ones? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe I... you can figure it out. Because it doesn't... Yeah, an illegal peer-to-peer -peer torrent that's free and doesn't have any backing streams perfectly. And don't have to sit there for 20 minutes watching... Ads. Don't pirate this thing and... Here's this this uh, network's <clears throat> logo and music, and now here's the MGM lion, and now here's somebody else, and the guy with a telescope. <laughs> Something else that's interesting too on Chrome, the ad blocker doesn't block the ads on channel on Tenplay. 
Ah. On Firefox, the ad blocker does. Ah. <laughs> so, so we use Firefox on it to, <laughs> to watch then. <laughs> because, once again, when it loads the ads, it stops loading the video under the ads. Yeah. It refreshes the load. So then you've got to press pause and wait another five minutes to watch another eight minutes before you get another block of ads. Ah, oh, jeez. Who designed this thing? And you thought you weren't going to get a Mr. T rant this week. I mean, come on. I'm sorry. No, we expect it. That's what makes the show good. You want to talk about rants? Even you're going to yeah. rant about this one. Yeah, rant. <laughs> Seeger's fantastic, new, amazing what the product. Hell is that? That I think it's a suppository. It's a C- <laughs> the Seeger suppository. Take two of those in the morning and see me later. Well, no, I think you've got to take four, actually. Uh, <laughs> One of each colour. Any colours? <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what. They what had... Is this a console for ants? <laughs> they had this thing spruiked for... How long have they been spruiking this thing? Yeah, at great least... new announcement, everyone. Just you wait. You're going to love it. Oh, it's been at least, what? At least 12 months they've been spruiking this thing, if not more. And that's what, that's what it should have been. Voice? That one. That That's what it needs to be. Yeah, I think the new one well, fits here, inside that we screen. We took this really awesome size thing and shrunk it to an unusable size. It's a one and a half inch display, which like literally the entire thing would have fit inside that screen on the original Game Gear. Like, why yeah. wreck a brilliant? Console? Well, look at it this way: if you're playing a <laughs> game play in, in, if you're playing a game in bed and you're supposed to be sleeping, and mum comes in, you just pop it in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, lay down there, and you're like. Are you, you alright, son? Mm. <laughs> okay, we'll see you tomorrow. <coughs> oh shit. Yeah, and as you're as you're saying, just in case you didn't hate it enough, you've now got to buy four of them because they've released four of them with four separate game sets. And you can't install more games or get cartridges or download them or something. Because memory's so expensive. Yeah. <laughs> Solid. And those Bluetooth and Wi-Fi chips, man. I know those thirty-five cent chips cost a fortune. You know, it's it's, it's atrocious. The problem is, on each of the consoles, there's only one good game. Yes, I saw that. <laughs> Most of them, I haven't even heard of the games. But then again, I wasn't big on Game Gear type well, stuff. Well, these so are all the Japanese ones too, so they're a little bit different. And you can also only buy it in Japan. Yeah, which is that's like a a Nintendo ripoff of um, <laughs> Zelda. Um, <sighs> Yeah, you, well, I mean, you could, I'm sure you could buy it on Amazon. But Probably, yeah. It's like, seriously, why? <laughs> I saw somebody on Twitter and they're like, so you're going to buy these? And somebody said, well, I'll probably buy them because I like the Game Gear back in the day and I'll get all four, but I'll hate myself for it. Yeah. Well, and so Tetris is, okay, interesting. Oh, yeah, there's the, how much is that? 300 bucks or something to make the screen bigger? Yeah, for the magnifying glass so you can see the damn screen. <laughs> What? Uh, only 5,000 yen, I think that is. <clears throat> Whatever that, that denomination, however they work that out. But yeah, it's like, seriously, this was a so Game Boy. It's going to be like $70, $80 Australian, right? Something like that, probably. But like, I'm, I'm sure, didn't the Game Boy Color die in the ass because it did exactly the same thing and made it a tiny screen and impossible to play on? Yeah. You know, like, that, why? Haven't they And learned? it was two inches. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's an inch and a half. But the thing is, like, if I I can run every single one of those games on an emulator on my phone. Yeah. And if I want the experience, I can buy the 
silicon shroud that'll actually give me the physical buttons that I can press. Yeah. And the screen's still going to be the same size, even with the buttons and stuff. My screen's still going to be the same size. But Mr. T, can can you install more than four games on there? Um, you know, depends how much porn I've got. I suppose we'll have to look at that. But, uh, <laughs> you shouldn't have the four K porn saved there. Oh, the seven twenty. That's right. That's what I'm doing wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just like seriously, why? Really? That, that's not a. That's not something that anybody wants. And do you have the Fog Arcade Cloud thing? Uh I would if I didn't close. That the was the out. other kind of exciting announcement. They're going to have a uh, Fog Cloud system <clears throat> for arcades only in Japan and uh, save your progress in games. And somebody had actually said, I don't know if it's true, that when you get home, you can continue playing the games at home that you were playing in the arcade, but I don't know if that's uh, a real thing or not. I didn't read the story. I just yeah, saw I don't know. tweeting about it. <clears throat> you, you could, but I would then very, I very much doubt you could then use that back online again. Like yeah. it would be a one-way thing. You could, you could play it at the arcade and build it up and then get home and continue playing it, but there's no way they'd let you put that back onto the arcade machine again. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It'll allow abusers to play arcade games at home and by streaming the game similar to what they see in GeForce or Google Stadia. Um. I'm actually honestly, I'm surprised this has taken so long to happen. Uh, I would have thought that something like this would have been implemented a long time ago. A lot of the consoles had this ability, uh, even as far back as like Daytona, for example, was one of the largest multiplayer games. Um. You know, you could play up to six, I think it was six or eight side-by-sides. The thing is, what a lot of people didn't realize, and it, it wasn't implemented in this country because we had crappy internet, but the Daytona, the Sega Saturns, um, a lot of the Police Quest, the um, Zombie House ones, a lot of those games actually enabled... Um, they actually enabled multiplayer cross arcades. So... Oh, you, right. If you had an ISDN line in your arcade, you could actually hook up to another bank of machines at a different arcade, in a different physical location, and you could actually play the same game against other people within a different arcade. Ah. So that's going way back to what early nineties, uh, yep. mid or yep. mid, yeah, early to mid nineties. So, so it's not a new thing. It's just never really been used. Like, it's not something that. Um, and I don't know why. Like it, it would have been great, especially because I used to remember like Saturday mornings from I think it was eight o'clock until t- lunchtime. It was a ten dollar entry free play, you know, yep. or you could play for ten bucks or whatever for four hours. You know, stuff like that across our multiple arcades would have been amazing. Playing with you know full full game full rows of people, full arcade games. Yep. You know, having 30 or 40 people playing Daytona, a full grid of Daytona with all real people instead of AIs would have been fantastic. Now, since yeah. you've mentioned Google Stadia, I'll put a new link in the show notes. Oh, yeah. A long-awaited Google Stadia feature is finally making its way to the platform this summer. State share is entering beta in summer 2020. Along, it's US summer, obviously. Alongside the release of Crater, the Google Stadia exclusive that will let you and your friends create, play, and share multiplayer games of your own design. State Share was unveiled alongside Google Stadia back in March 2019. It stood out as one of the most unique and potentially transformative features of the streaming platform, and its absence at launch was notable. For those that don't remember, State Share is a system designed to remove all the friction from jumping into games with friends, streamers, and content creators alike. Let's say you're watching a game on Twitch, a streamer could generate a link, share it in a chat, 
and the audience would immediately be able to play, watch into the game and play alongside them. Say you're watching a speed run on YouTube, accessing a state share could let you try out the section for yourself under the exact conditions of the creator who posted the video. Or perhaps you're in the middle of creating a 10 versus 10 arena shooter in Crater and want friends to help test the weapon balance, they'd been able to do so with a click of a link. It's a fascinating prospect and it's making its debut in this innovative new game creation tool this summer. So that'd be really good for a lot of people who are watching the streamers on Twitch and stuff. And mm. They could be making game, whacking a link in there. You could jump in with your favorite streamer of the day. Maybe they could use it like a perk too, I guess, on would, Twitch. Yeah, if you're like... a tier, tier <clears throat> two subscriber or something, join us and you can actually play alongside us and we'll mention you and then your streams. And... I mean, it's the whole um, it's the whole Ready Player One thing really, isn't it? Yeah. How you awesome know, is that? It's a smoothless transition between... between I guess what you know, like a say for example, like a lobby, for example, and an active game. You just literally yeah. go through a portal, and you you're there. There's none of this, you know, pre-game or loading. Or it's just it's wherever you've either finished or it's wherever you want to be on the next level. You know, yeah. Um, and I guess that's this, a lot of fun. You know, it, it'll be interesting. It sounds a lot like Roblox, though. From what I understand, you can do something similar in Roblox in terms of you send somebody a link to the level that you're on and they can join you. Right. But that's only like game specific. It's not multi, multi game compatible, yeah. but it's the same sort of thing. You can like in Minecraft, you can jump servers to a point with Bungie, but it's very limited. You always end up in a spawn point or in a lobby, you know, unless you've been on that map before you'll end up wherever you last were in, um, in Roblox, you can actually specifically get somebody who's never played the game before, send them a link, and they can basically log into the game directly in front of you. Yeah. yeah. So, but it's probably something similar to that. It's not a bad idea. Um, mm. It'll be interesting to see how it gets fleshed out. <clears throat> It'd be great. To see, I can really see a use for that in a VR environment where, yeah. where change between games and changing... Um, things like that is quite difficult in in VR. Even in the most advanced ones, there's still a a, a portion of terrible a, menu system. Yeah, or you've got to jump out and like in um, in Live for Speed, it's a great game. It's an older game now. It's fantastic. It, a lot of the drifters and that love using it for um, practice, and it's quite good on VR. But there's one screen that if you need to go into, you physically, it doesn't pop up in your goggles. You've got to take your goggles off, use the computer oh, monitor, what? do what you need to do. And it's just because, you know, and it just takes you out of the immersion of this game because there's one particular part of it. Or even the, even even if there are menus and stuff, the, the actual act of jumping into a menu takes you out of the immersion of the game. So if you can yeah. seamlessly transition from one place to another or from one game to another or one mate's house to another mate's house without physically accessing a menu or something that's breaking the immersion, I can imagine this being fantastic on VR. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it annoyed me. Some some VR games didn't have an exit game, so you had to go out of the game into the Oculus menu, kill the game process, and then start up another game or restart that game if it had locked up, which was a pain. Mm. Uh, you, just, you just need to have exit on everything. Speaking of awesome games that are perfectly designed and flawless in every aspect, somebody's what? called out this game called Corey Coolbrew. What are you talking about? I don't know. Some schmuck wants money for it, it too. Is it any good? <laughs> oh, it looks awesome. I mean, everybody, everybody should be playing it. There's no. Uh... 
Thanks to Mike Richmond <laughs> for the great music. That's this it. week's episode of... Oops, wrong button. I'll do that again. <laughs> I've, so, this is your baby? Yeah, and somebody bought it finally. It's been on itch.io for a while, warlock.itch.io, and I've had about 105 downloads by now, but uh, finally somebody actually gave me real monies for it, which I was surprised by. So thank you, whoever that was, Mr. <laughs> T. <laughs> so that's where the Patreon money's gone. <laughs> Just sharing the love. <laughs> no, yeah, so somebody, you don't know who, but it does tell me who it is, and you can check out his um, itch page and see what other stuff he's liked and things. But, uh, yeah, I was really happy that somebody actually thought it was worth it. And uh, there's a guy called Vinny who makes uh, Freeze 64 magazine, which is a Commodore 64 magazine that comes out every month. It's like A5 size. And um, he does interviews with developers from back in the 90s, but also new developers and stuff. So there's always a lot of interesting things. He does cheats for games. So it's like if you load it in your emulator, stop it here, go in there and you can type in this poke and you get unlimited lives and things like that. And he publishes those in his magazine, Commodore 64. But um, today he said, oh, it's not just Commodore 64 games I do infinite life hacks for. I've also done it for Corey Coolbrew. So <laughs> if you want to get infinite lives, uh, check out Vinny's Freeze 64 website. And you can also find him under Freeze 64 <clears throat> on uh, Twitter and say hi to him and yeah so subscribe for the magazine it's really interesting and he puts a lot of work into it gets it professionally printed at the actual printing company it's not just some cheapy crappy thing that he prints out on his home printer it's got a real printer and everything so there's interviews with all these famous people he did andrew braybrook and talked about iridium and he's talked about gribbly's day out and did a one one of the magazines I bought a back issue recently because it had a, a tribute to Ben Daglish, who was a very very popular uh, musician for the Commodore sixty four and amazing guy. Everybody loved him, so he was fantastic to talk to and a lot of fun. And they used to have um, nights where they'd get him and other musicians and programmers and stuff, and they all turn up and have a big party. And he'd go up on stage with his flute and play along with uh, live bands like Press Play on Tape and stuff like that. And they'd all rock out playing his songs from back in the 90s. So a lot of fun. And sadly, he passed away a few years ago. So they did a tribute uh, magazine issue about him. So I bought that as well. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, so <clears throat> it's, uh, it's all, all the retro stuff's definitely becoming modern again. <laughs> Yeah, even if they're only this big, as big as a packet of chewy gum or something, and you've got to play on the screen like this. Yeah. Wasn't that what a Tamagotchi was? Oh, I had a Tamagotchi. Did you ever get one? Yeah, I had a couple of them. They're dead. Yeah. Very My, sad. <laughs> most of them lasted several hours, if I was lucky. You get one for your uh, Fitbit watch called Hatchy. <laughs> That's the same sort of thing with a little thing that hatches out of an egg. I oh. thought of doing something like that, but... I can't be bothered. So I had an app on my phone similar like that. It was an actual Tamagotchi app. All oh, right. Yeah, yeah, no, don't. Do and that. they just announced a few weeks ago that they did a Pac-Man Tamagotchi that you can uh, buy. This company that's still making them. Oh, okay. and they got the rights to do a Pac-Man one recently. So there's a guy, another guy I follow on Twitch, uh, Twitter. If you guys are interested, Pac three or three sixty five Pac. Yeah. And every day for 365 days of this year, he's going to post some information or 
playing a game of Pac-Man on different platforms and talking about the advertising and where the ideas came from to make it and all the different things about it. Today he was talking about uh, Pacula, which was a Dracula Pac-Man that was actually going to be fleshed out into a full game and added into the uh, cartoon TV series. Of the, apparently appeared in one episode, but they're going to do this whole Dracula thing with Pac-Man and make a game that was Pacula and he goes around chomping things and blood spurts out of them like <laughs> Dracula dr- drinking the blood and all that sort of stuff. So nice. Really good. Yeah, check out 365 Pac. Sounds like cool fun. Dude. <laughs> the only problem is he's like, oh, this week I was going to go down to such and such um, arcade parlor in the UK this weekend and show you around their Pac-Man machines. But because of COVID, we're all under lockdown. We're not. It's illegal to go down there. So here's something else that I've been working on. He might have like some stickers that him and the kids would get or little toy or something like that. And all the different versions of hardware and things all about Pac-Man. It's very, very interesting. Nice. So, Any more news for you, Mr. T? Uh, a couple of quick ones. Um, Lenovo is returning to its role in leading the... Lint- l- the Who what? Linus <clears throat> Torvalds is going to hate you so much. <laughs> Len- Lenovo is returning to its role as a leading Linux desktop supporter. Um, they will certify and preload its entire ThinkPad and, sta- and um, station lineup for Linux. Um, so basically... In the early 2000s, if you wanted Linux on laptop, your best choice was IBM. And then later, uh, ThinkPad, Lenovo ThinkPad, because they bought... did They just bought the ThinkPad portion of IBM, didn't they? They didn't buy the IBM laptop portion. Just yeah, the they got, business they ThinkPad part of it. as well. Yeah. All of it, they did the hardware for consumer hardware, but not enterprise. Ah, that's right. Uh, then in 2008, Lenovo decided no longer officially support Linux on desktop. There's been a lot of technical changes since then. Um, including that Lenovo went back to fully supporting Linux desktop. There were some hitches. Lenovo blew it with Linux on its 2016 Signature Edition, but now Lenovo wants to be desktop's Linux best friend again. Moving to to certify the full workstation portfolio for top Linux distributions, Ubuntu and Red Hat. Every model, every configuration. While that's not every Lenovo PC, the IdealPad family isn't included. That's still an impressive move. Uh, Lenovo is just certifying its high-end laptops, and desktops for Linux uh, isn't just certifying its high unless it will preload its entire portfolio of ThinkStation and ThinkPad P-Series workstations with both Red Hat, Enterprise Linux, and Ubuntu long-term support. Yeah, and if you've got like uh, Google Docs and Sheets or you use um, <coughs> Office 365, who needs, to down, who needs Windows to install that on? Well, yeah, and I mean, realistically, Linux does, for most people, and... Most people, actually, these days, there's some versions of Linux where you're not even going to notice a difference. They, it operates exactly yeah. the same as Windows anyway. And um, it's going to be cheaper because there's always a percentage of your device that the price goes to Microsoft for Windows. Mm. And Linux is generally lighter weight, so it's generally faster and more, you know, yeah. more stable operating system. You get Steam and um, things for it. You can so. get all that. And, but I mean, those business machines aren't really going to have decent graphics hardware anyway, so it's not going to matter too no. much. Um, there's like 99% of the things that you're only going to have an issue with maybe like, um, can you get off? I don't even know. Can you get Microsoft Office on Linux? You can with no, 365, couldn't you? They would push you to 365. Yeah. Because yeah. the only thing I was thinking you'd have web. an issue with would be like PowerPoint and um, Publisher. 
That's probably about it. But if you've got 365, probably, yeah. well, you know, you'd be fine anyway. Yeah. So there's only a couple of programs that I use to do this setup with streaming and everything like this that aren't Linux compatible. If they were, then I probably would have no reason to be using Windows, honestly, because Linux would do what I'm doing. It would do it even better. And the um, funny thing is Windows becoming more like Linux and able to run Linux stuff well, every yeah, day. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's right, exactly. As we talked about last week, you know, they're actually developing the the core to work, the Linux core to work on on Windows yeah, so natively. Yeah, desktop or you know? Noom or whatever. So, but yeah, so that's, that was interesting. Um, quickly to Google Face Class Action for allegedly tracking private browsing activity. So just before I read this story... This is about the... Mr. T's caveat. (laughs) No, no. This is just to explain to some people who don't necessarily know that Chrome has private browsing mode. Now, when you switch to that private browsing mode, it it informs you that this is only private in terms of not storing data on your hard drive. So, it's not storing the cookies or your history or your your browsing preferences, all that sort of stuff aren't stored on your hard drive. But... It clearly states that it's not hiding your identity from Google or from your ISP or, or whatever. It's still or your wife. Yeah, exactly. It, it, without a VPN, it, it's still acting as as your normal internet connection. But apparently, that's not good enough. Um, and a class action so I filed. Just, I just did that on Firefox. You're in a private window. Firefox clears your search and browsing history when you quit the app or close all private browsing tabs and windows. While this doesn't make you anonymous to websites or your internet service provider. It makes it easier to keep what you do online private from anyone else who uses this computer. Click a link here for common myths about private browsing. So yeah. it's right there in all the browsers. And, e- and even in uh, oh, my... Oh, hang on. Can I make it do it? I don't know if I can do it. Let's see if I can do this. Uh, like Good luck. This. <laughs> you can even see that's the, the Chrome one. It yep. says the same thing. It says, you know, now you can browse privately. Other people who use the device won't see your activity, but downloads and bookmarks will be saved. Um, Chrome, Chrome won't save the following information, browsing history, cookies, information. Um, your activity is still visible to webmasters, your employees, etc. So it says it on there that, you know, that, that's not a thing. Um, but, yeah, so the article basically says a class action was filed against Google on Tuesday accusing the tech giant of invading the privacy of millions of users without their knowledge by tracking internet usage even when they're private browser mode. It carries on more about that. But effectively, they just like the entire article is about how um, they're, they're tracking you. And it's like, yeah, but it specifically says that they will do that. Like, you know that thing that we told you we're going to do? We're going to do it. Yeah. And so is everybody else. You know, and so are the it's website. It's not like a tour browser or something. No. It's. You know, and if you want that sort of thing, then you can do it. You know, there's there's different ways of doing it, whether you use Brave or whether you use Opera with a built-in VPN that is a secure form of browser. Yep. Um, but privacy mode is literally... If you want a really secure form of browser, use an Onion browser with a VPN and use it in privacy mode. And then even you, not, well, you won't even know what you've been doing at that no. point. <laughs> But, the most you're going to do is hide your porn from your family and that's it. Yeah. You know, just a decent encryption on your drive will do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's what thumb drives are for, isn't it? Also, I hear. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, and just as to the request of the um, chat room talking about the PS5 launch, <coughs> which 
according to Sony, may or may not be at the end of the year. They can't figure it out. Um, it's been postponed though. But the actual rele- the yeah the the news meeting, release meeting thingy whatever it is has been postponed. But there's I don't know why they don't just stream it. Some people are saying that it's still going to be released in the new. Some people in Sony are saying it is. Some people in Sony are saying it aren't. So it who looks knows, interesting. I'll give it that. It's a, it doesn't look like a little fridge like the Xbox coming out. I, that I, looks interesting. Yeah, it kind of reminds me like it. It looks like it's upside down. It looks like it should be like an air conditioner or something, but the other way up, and it filters yep. the air through the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to. It'll give, keep you warm in winter. Don't worry about that. Son. Oh, they're not going to have uh, heating problems. That's for sure. No. But basically, the chips are custom AMD Ryzen with eight Zen two cores, sixteen threads, speeds up to three point five gig. Um, it's an AMD chip. It's a custom chip, obviously. Um, I don't know if there's many more specs in here. It's going to have uh, where are we? Now, the good thing about the PS five and the next Xbox both being AMZ Ryzen is Ryzen is you can um, program it easily, port your game from one to the other sure you can have a early release on xbox for like a month or something but then you're going to want to put it on ps5 and you don't have to reprogram half the damn thing for the next two years to get the same thing released you just say please make this a ps5 game now boom pretty much yeah i mean all the compilers are cross compatible now you know it's an rdna 2 based amd rate on gpu custom 825 gig solid state drive um you know just just i mean it's a fairly punchy system you know but i haven't seen price on it yet so we'll see what happens there um i haven't seen an australian price on it yet no. or the other thing that i haven't heard um and i doubt although it does look like it has a media drive in the bottom there cd drive at the bottom the only thing i'm not sure is if it's backwards compatible or not yeah um and that's why i didn't buy a ps4 because a ps4 the PS3 was backwards compatible with 1 and 2. The PS4 wasn't. Um, PS5 will support backwards compatibility with seemingly all PS4 games due to it being based in part on PS4's architecture. Okay, so that's only backwards compatible PS4, yeah. That's why I only have got a PS3 because I had a buttload of PS1 and 2 games. Yep. And my PS2 died and I thought, oh, I'll get a PS3 because they're fairly cheap. And then, then that was when I... Yeah. Yeah, there's a girl I follow on Twitch, Hungry Goria. She's really, she's Canadian, eh? And you can tell when she's talking, but it's so wholesome watching her streams. And she's just really lovely. And she's currently playing a PS1 game on her PS2 and then just capturing the output. So it's playing yeah. on a real machine and everything. And it's really interesting to watch her playing all these old games. Yeah, I watch a, a guy, um, Far Race. And uh, he watches, he does occasionally flashback games where he goes back and plays old PS1 and PS2 games and stuff. And there's if actually... I was any good at them, I might try it, but you're just going to see me failing so often that people are not going to watch the stream, I think. I'm actually not bad. I play, spent a lot of time playing consoles back in the day. I'm not too bad with the older games. Stream them, son. Yeah, I'm all set up to stream. I just haven't had the time to do it. <laughs> I got all everything set up. I've got my um, I got my Streamio, my Streamlabs OBS deck set up yep. and everything all ready to go. But yeah, I just haven't had time to do anything with it. So, but um, there's a guy on YouTube. I'm just trying to find if I can quickly find it while I'm talking. But he basically um, he outputs the games from his PlayStation, um, and then 
somehow upscales them without affecting the way they look. Um, and they look really, really high quality. Like it looks like something that, uh, yeah, four K. Here we go. He run he runs the games on four K. Uh, even the old, the old um, like even the old PS One games. Oh, okay. Um, let's see if we can go here. So there's the PS One, and then that's what it looks like if you try to play it without the the upscaling that is that he does. Yeah, you can even like to stream is near impossible because you can hardly see the thing, <laughs> you know. But then, where are we? He loads the that's free skate. Where's the part where he actually loads the? So there you go. That's what it looks like in, in original PlayStation One. And then where's the part where he turns the emulator on? Uh, so that's with PS1 setting, and that's with 4K. Wow, that looks a lot smoother. <laughs> so you know, it's the same. It's the same game, but like, look at look at the quality and the detail, and now it's got anti-aliasing. It's got a lot of things. It, look, <laughs> it physically looks like it software. <clears throat> that software renders more pixels in. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, but it's yeah, it's really amazing. Uh, oh, there's a split screen, there's a split screen there, so you can see the difference. Like <laughs> even on that smaller split screen, you can still see the huge difference. Just the text alone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so I just thought that was amazing that that's a thing now. So I am looking at um, streaming, but I'll be doing something like that definitely and upscaling it to the point where you can actually see the game. Oh, look nice. at this one here. Look at the look at the signboards in the background. Yeah, uh, I could, but it's got Aussie oh, tech yeah, heads scrolling over that. it. <laughs> there you go. I'll put it over you instead. <laughs> ah. But yeah, you can see the um, you can see Phillips the and JVC the back there, Phillips and JVC. You can read, and you look at the other one. I mean, you know it's McDonald's because you can see the M, but yeah, really, you've got no idea what that actually is. You know, it was so. good back in the day. Well, that's the funny thing about it. The old CRT monitors weren't that harsh, so yeah. you could get away with that, and that, it didn't look too bad. But you yeah. put that onto an, L, onto an LCD, and it just it just looks atrocious. <laughs> so, got time for one more story? Certainly, sir. Yeah, a software development house got more than a bargain for after an alert mail from the Have I Been Pwned data breach monitoring site wiped out all its help desk support tickets. Oh. <laughs> Recreational vehicle app developer QB8 LLC had signed up for the free Have I Been Pwned messages to check for compromised accounts on its fire.io domain. When a message from Have I Been Pwned arrived to QB8's help desk address after a recent data breach, it was automatically turned into a ticket in the company's tech support system. <laughs> the open source Gestionnaire Libre de Parc Informatique version 9.4.5. The QB8 text read the have I been pwned report, checked the data and alerted users to breaches. After that, the ticket was assigned to one particular technician and marked as solved. By assigning the ticket to a particular team member, the GLPI system passed the semicolon minus minus characters in the header of the have I been pwned email and interpreted it as structured query language SQL database command that deleted data in the help desk system. 
I and the other techs quickly noticed that every single ticket description had been deleted and passed with been replaced with a partial header data from Have I Been Pwned email. The SQL <laughs> injection vulnerability is fixed in GLPI version 946 as it has been discovered prior to the email incident. As the bug is very simple to exploit for malicious purposes with the SQLI code being hideable in HTML marked up emails, QB8 warned that it could have serious consequences and urged GLPI users to upgrade to the latest version of help desk system or look for alternative software. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, it's like, did you see that guy who printed out across his bumper bar of his car and it says <clears throat> drop tables on a great big text so that when he sped through a red light camera, it was to drop the tables of the uh, police force. Oh, system. really? Yeah. <laughs> You should be able to Google up an image, <coughs> the car with SQL uh, commands, drop tables on it or something like that. There's another guy who registered a number plate N-U-L-L, think it would be null and wouldn't get any speeding tickets or anything, but because the ticketing system defaulted to null, he got like $10,000 worth <laughs> of tickets from everybody who it couldn't find in the system. Now this one here, the, uh, where are we? Yeah. <laughs> so SQL injection fills your speed trap and clears your record. Typical speed cameras traps are built in OCR by using SQL injection. <laughs> so he printed there out is... a great big long bit of paper. It's got his number plate ZU 666 and then it had drop database table at the end of it. The only problem with that is the, you're covering your number plate. So if you could do, find out a way to do it without covering your number plate. Yeah. <laughs> but that's just nuts. Like, oh dear. Who thinks of that? Like, <laughs> who goes, mm, I know how I can hack a speed camera. I'll literally hack the speed camera. Yeah. <laughs> Sanitize your da- input data, people. Sanitize yeah, it. I reckon. Uh, but- thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Head Show broadcast weekly. We can be found at facebook.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, twitter.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, and youtube.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Now also at patreon.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Sign up for $4 a month, $10 a month, or from several other tiers. See the site for details. Email us glennwheelwarlock at aussietechheads.com.au. You can hear Aussie Tech Heads on aussietechradio.com. 24-7 back-to-back play of some of the best tech-related shows from around Australia and New Zealand. New shows are added each Friday. See you guys. Bye.